Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. Hi, my name is Catherine Sion. I was born in the Philippines, grew up in Manila, and I'm currently living in Niagara Falls, Ontario. And I'm Jazzy, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Halo Halo podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. I'm podcasting from the Niagara region, and it's situated on treaty land. This land is steeped in the rich history of the First Nations, such as the Hatiwandarong, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe, including the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Ishpeg people. In this month of July, the Halo Halo podcast is focusing on all things summer and what better things to talk about in the summer but bridal fashions. <laughs> I said this before we started taping, and but our listeners should know or ought to know is, is, is that we always like to locate where our guests are and what their immigration mm. story is. And it says so much in terms of how you got to where you got to. But before we kind of get right into that, I did kind of want to know what we're all consuming pop culture wise, because this is after all a pop culture podcast. Sigs, what have you been kind of consuming pop culture wise? I don't know if you guys watch the show. There's this show called The Other Two and it's streaming on, it's called Max now. Max. And okay, it's just yes. a funny farcical show about the TV movie industry and the acting is really good. The writers are the creators from S where the head writers of SNL, Chris Kelly and Cher Schneider stars Helena York and Tracy Tarver. And it just ended like just recently their mm-hmm. finale was out there. So I was sort of sad about it amidst some drama, but right now I have a little bit of a bone to pick now. Like we just <laughs> said, I love living in Canada. It's great, but when are things like being dropped in Canada? So there's this wonderful show called The Bear. Have you guys heard of The Bear? No, tell our it's, listeners about it. It's, so there's a show called The Bear starring Jeremy Allen White and Ayo Debris. It's a sandwich shop and it's about it's this restaurant and this guy comes back. His brother commits suicide. So he comes to take over his this wonderful sandwich shop. And there's a lot of like grittiness to it. There's a lot of great acting. And it's just about the service industry, like the restaurant industry. And you really see it firsthand. It's fantastic. It's won many awards. And it's on FX. But it's not streaming in Canada. The second Mm. season just dropped. And then I had to research it that it's streaming. It'll be streaming on Disney Plus in a couple weeks. It's one of those things where I'm like, is it here in Canada? No. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to wait. But all of these I'm just regional anti. rights. I know all these regional rights. Why can't you know you open it up in the United States, give it to us in Canada? But that's my little streaming and and obviously too, I am sort of hate watching the Sex in the City sequel show and just like that. <laughs> it just started dropping. And I know this is about I have to mention that because we're talking about a bit of fashion and bridal yes, fashion yes. because Catherine's here and Carrie Bradshaw's iconic. But the second season and just like that, a little bit better. A little bit is more it? improved. Okay, that's good it, to it know. is. And I just watched the third episode. And if you guys watch the third episode, Carrie Bradshaw's talking about the death of her husband, Mr. Big, from the first mm. season. But there's a scene, and Kuya, you would love this. There's a scene <laughs> where Charlotte is wearing a Burberry apron. 
Oh, a Burberry apron. <laughs> a Burberry apron. When I was fancy and had money, I would ask for a Burberry apron. I have no shame. As a guy that works, that cooks and cleans in the kitchen all the time, I have an you Iron Man. What, I'm sure. I have an Iron Man apron. If Emily wants to shell out, I don't know, a thousand bucks to get me a, a Burberry, Burberry apron, apron, I'm sure it'll I'll be, be worth very it. Very <laughs> or, or Catherine, if you plan, you know, if you want to take a break from this bridal couture, I would love a Burberry apron. If you could replicate <laughs> it, I would be down for it. Oh, well, we it's know what very easy to make. It's not stitches. Okay, well, no, this is. Uh, we're going to talk more after this episode, but anyway. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Catherine, what about you? What have you been up to pop culture wise? What have you been consuming? Well, I'm watching more of because I love fashion and I mm-hmm. love seeing people wearing dress. Do you actually or watch Say Yes to the Dress? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes. my goodness. Wow. It's actually very interesting because most of the time, you know, they would feature brides that are Sometimes they're annoying, you know. Oh my gosh, like, that, that is the nicest way to describe them. The there are bridezillas on that show. Bridezillas. Listeners, right? if you weren't on screen with us right now, we're having a Zoom meeting. I love that Catherine is like conspiratorially like leaning into the camera going, some people... As if it's a, it's, it's a little secret between the three of us. That's and right. All of you that download this, that's somewhere annoying. You are totally right, Ate. You are totally right, Ate. You are oh so true. Oh, my goodness. It's Very so annoying. true. Brazil is cool. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they are 100%. But it's not only them. Of course, there's family that would say, oh, that's not the right dress for you. This is oh what my I gosh, want yes. for you. Same but tone. Again, Same tone. Isn't yeah. It? But then again, it's yeah. still entirely up to the bride, which dress uh, they wanted to wear, right? Or which jewelries or which shoes they wanted to wear. <laughs> so it's, it's just like this show is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is amazing in terms of how they have to manage expectations. And then you realize that it's less of the bride's choice than sometimes it's the family's choice. But exactly. I have to tell you what I'm most amazed at is the extension of this show. So say yes to the dress. There's say yes to the dress Atlanta. There's yes to the dress UK. There's also mm-hmm. say yes to the dress bridesmaid that had like a three season run right yeah Yeah. do do you remember that and then yeah but what came out last year that i have not been able to see but i'm so intrigued about is say yes to the dress india so that is something that i'm like if any of our listeners know how you can watch a version of that i would love to watch any of those versions have you watched any of those extension shows i've seen the one in say yes to the dress uk yeah 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 that's actually extreme (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh it's so true it's so true and then i have to say those consultants are amazing at what they do like how they just get everyone together and then figure out exactly what the barrier is and it's like wow that's deep listening at its best as far as i'm concerned they don't pay them enough as far as i'm concerned too i see they're really really professional and compassionate i mean yeah yeah yeah. they're a very good listener and then they have all this how, how do you say that? I'll tell you what I think, Catherine. I think some of them are creative problem solvers, yes. you know? So <laughs> Randy, for is. example, <laughs> it's just like, I just when I think this bridezilla is not going to end this family and these bridemaids are, yeah. no one's going to find anything perfect for this person. Suddenly Randy comes out of nowhere, creatively problem solves and says, mm-hmm. here, this like $600 mermaid dress with the blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh my God, <laughs> like... 
<laughs> check, 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 check. And everyone's happy. Yes. So that's kind of what I think. I think that they're deep listeners and creative problem solvers and people don't pay them enough to do what they're doing. No, no. Yeah. It's really amazing to watch this show. Sometimes I would just go, oh my gosh, $40,000. I know. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, uh, that's a wedding I'd like to be invited to and not bring a gift to at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, relatedly, what I've been kind of consuming pop culture wise is Jewish matchmaking. Have you guys heard about Jewish matchmaking on Netflix? No, tell me. Have you guys heard about India matchmaking on Netflix? I'm familiar with that one, yes. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, so relatedly, they get a Jewish matchmaker to put together people within the Jewish community. And then what ends up happening is to see if sparks fly. And it's always interesting to hear Eliza, who is the matchmaker, her theories on what makes a match and what makes soulmates and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I'm totally captivated by it. So she jet sets from Israel to Miami to Los Angeles to Denver, all over the United States and Israel, finding matches for young people or for older enough people that are ready to settle down. So on Netflix, I hope you guys get to see it at, at some point. It, it's a pretty good 25-minute binge and then it's great to watch on a Sunday afternoon. I think it's like nine episodes or eight episodes or something like that. So really easy to consume. Nice. And then, of course, those matchmaking choices or hopes that Elisa makes hopefully leads to some wedding bells, which, you know, this is kind of what July is, like July wedding season month, as far as I'm concerned. It must be busy for you right now, Catherine. Very busy, very busy. Fitting every Saturday and Sunday and, you know, we'll reschedule because... There's a lot of commitments the bride has to make. So yeah, I have to adjust my schedules. I can imagine, right? And so having late hours and early mornings or trying to to meet everybody's demands and stuff like that. For our listeners that don't know, Catherine is a couture designer for bridal fashions in the Niagara region. We welcome Catherine to the How Hello podcast virtual studios. Catherine Sian's here. Catherine and I met through my Uncle Danny. There's a little shout out to you, Uncle Danny, as they've been friends through work since about the 2000s. Is that right, Catherine? Yes, it's right. Now, as Jesse and I have done in the past, can you briefly remind us where you were born, where you grew up, and where you locate yourself today? And moreover, tell us a little bit about your immigration story coming to Canada. Okay, so I was born in the Philippines and particularly in Make Hawaiian Bulacan. So I grew up there and then I took up architecture when I was, Ah. yeah, in Far Eastern University. Then I met my husband. (laughs) Then I decided, oh, wait, I want to be a flight attendant. So I went, I became a flight attendant. We went to Dubai and I worked for Emirates for some time. And then me and my husband was like thinking, okay, so why don't we go and migrate either in Australia or Canada? Mm -hmm. So we applied for both countries, but then we got the visa for just so fast, like three months when we started applying, we already got the visa. And then we were like rushing to get to Canada that time. So Mm -hmm. we landed in Canada. That was 1994. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And it was from the Middle East to here, we had culture shock. I can imagine, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yes. And our life started from there. And then I continued being a flight attendant. So when you moved from the Middle East to 
Canada. Where in Canada did you settle? Well, we landed in Vancouver first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We stayed there and for one month. Right. To be mm-hmm. honest, we that time we couldn't find a job. I found a job mm-hmm. right there, like part time. Right. My husband couldn't find what he's looking for. Yeah. yeah. So we might we went to Toronto after a month and then he got his job as an architect right away. Okay, so a move from architecture to service industry in the air, right? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting shift. Like, what's the commonality? Because there has to be some type of commonality. Okay, mm-hmm. so I took up architecture because your Inai and your Tata want you to become an architect. Right. So you ah. want to become an architect. Yeah. So back then, you have you can't say no. Right. Right? right. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I took it. I love it, but my heart goes for service industry. Yeah. Right after graduation, I said to my mom and to my dad that I wanted to become a flight attendant. It's because I have a degree already. You really need to get flight attendant course. Right. As a flight attendant, and I got it. Right. So, (laughs) but I worked as a drafts woman way back when after I graduated for probably a couple of years. Right, right. Yeah, so I still pursued that career, but it is not really... Yeah, (laughs) so like what you said, interesting enough to do, but not your passion for a lifetime. Exactly. And it sounds like traveling was more of your passion or having some type of escape from time (laughs) to time and stuff like that. Is that fair to say, Catherine? It is, yeah. Yeah. And then, like, the move from you know, the Middle East to then suddenly to Canada or Australia at the time. Was there anything in particular that prompted that move for you and your husband? Was there? Yeah, because in the United Arab Emirates in Dubai, there is no job security. Right. right. You cannot be a a permanent resident. Like the visa requirements are that you can't be more than five years, I think it is. Is that right still? Or was it back like that back then? Back then you can, but that time the president or the sheikh of the country was saying that they will do nationalization. It's like right. they will mm-hmm. make sure that there won't be any more expatriate. Yeah. So that's when we decided, okay, there's no job security. I have kids, then we have to look for a place that we can be settled, right. that we can have our own you know, we can start our family and all those stuff. So we right. just, yeah, Canada is the best. Canada is the best. Why not the United States? I'm glad you ended up in Canada. But, <laughs> there, but there's, a, you know, the typical Filipino emigration story is we tried to get to the United States or we'd like to get to the United States. Like there is no mention in the United States. What can I infer mm-hmm. from that? In other words, why not the United States? Well, Funny that you ask me this because my sister lives in the United States. Right. Ah. Yeah. So my the elder sister, my ate, ever since she's been, she's in the United States in New Jersey for so long. Mm. And she's like, you know, telling us why don't you just come here? Not don't go to Canada because we don't have anyone in Canada. Right. We don't have relatives in Canada. Mm-hmm. But my husband is very firm to his decision. He said, mm-hmm. I want to go to Canada because I know there's future for my kids. Mm. Wow. What kind of future does he think about your kids having? Because he knows that when it comes to protection, he researched about it. I'm actually glad that we decided to be here. 
Yeah. I think similarly, the way that my mom had always framed it was the reason why not Australia was because it was too racist, or at least that's what she came to believe. I but. wanted to say that, but I'm yeah. scared. Oh, you that could totally say that on this podcast. It's all good. It's I'll, all I'll, good. I'll be really frank, right? My mom said Australia, although close to the Philippines and easy to get back and forth, she worried about the racism, you know, mm. and the reports of racism. Yeah. And when she thought about the United States, even though land of opportunity, she was really concerned about social welfare. Like, how do you help immigrants along? Exactly. She, at the end of the day, thought Canada was much more inclusive. Mm-hmm. The other thing that she said was, parts of Canada are d- almost disaster-proof. <laughs> I said, what do you mean by that? She said, southwestern Ontario... No earthquakes. No fault lines. No yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe there's a tornado alley, but you don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. She said, we'd rather take the cold any day of the week. In some <laughs> it sounds like your husband was thinking about kind of like the social welfare of, of your yes. kids. Right, and also, I think he mentioned to me about health. Yeah. Yeah, and healthcare. Healthcare, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I would say we have American cousins that live in Michigan. And one of my nieces in Michigan, they call her the million dollar baby because she was born premature. And if it wasn't for the proper insurance, they would not have been able to afford all of the healthcare bills. And so Mm -hmm. I just kind of wonder about that. Like I think to myself, I don't know how you pay for it. When we think about kind of going to the hospital, we just think about kind of going to the hospital or going to the Mm -hmm. doctor. We don't think about how much is it going to cost me and can I afford it? I think that those are really clear things like a need to feel included and feeling like your basic human rights are taken care of. And I can see why you had wanted to move from the Middle East. Like if you're going to put down roots, you at least want to put down roots where you can and feel included at the same time. So Catherine, our listeners would probably like to know a little bit about your journey into design and creating. For our listeners, you'll find out that Catherine first started off as an architect, then turned flight attendant, right? Mm-hmm. And then moved on from that. So we're wanting to know a little bit more. How did you go from settling in Canada to then suddenly getting into the design business and specifically around bridal designs and couture? Sure. Yeah. So at a young age, very young, like 16, I can see my mom, you know, sewing dresses because she's mm-hmm. a seamstress. Yeah. So I would like very much into it. I would see the details and what she does with the dress. I know it's just only like very simple dress for my sisters, mm-hmm. but I would, you know, very much adore her in making, putting the design, making patterns, you know, and putting it into the real one. Right. So at a very young age, I was, I've always been captivated by the world of fashion and transformative power it holds. And I discovered my innate talent when I was like looking at my mom. And then I said to myself, I wanted to be a seamstress. I wanted to be a designer. Mm -hmm. So while doing my flying, I enrolled in Seneca for Mm -hmm. fashion design. That was 2006, I guess, or 2007. And it's because it's only three years course. Right. It took me about five years to finish because of flying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I would go to school during Wednesday and I would request for a day off. So I'll be at school. But there will be a time that during my practicum, I have to finish a dress. But I Mm -hmm. had to go on a flight. I had to go to Hong Kong that night. 
And I told my instructor, okay, when I land in Hong Kong, we can do a, you can call me. I don't know if Zoom is available by that time. I think we only use this online at Seneca. I forgot. Oh, Blackboard. Blackboard. Yeah, okay. that's yeah, right. Yeah. The learning yeah. management yeah. system. Yeah. So yeah. I would tell them that, hey, this is what I made. So it's because I had to bring it to Hong Kong and it's a gown, right? It's a wedding yeah. gown. Yeah. I had to, it's already done. I had to cut it again <laughs> from top to the waist because I can't carry the long and big dress, right? Right, right. Yeah. So I would show him that I was embroidering it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. While and overseas. I'll- Oh my God. Yes. And I was staying in a, in a hotel doing it, making, finishing the design. And then when I finish it, I'll show them. They'll look at me and then check me if I'm really doing it. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm making it, I'm finishing the, the dress. And then when I get to back to Toronto on my way, my flight on the way back, I would put it back again and submit it. So oh that's my goodness! It is. So, Catherine, I just I have, have to question. say, I have a question. Sorry, Kuya, go ahead. I, have I was just going to say, I don't know how you did these long haul flights while doing your homework, first of all, and how sleep deprived you were. And I'm also thinking to myself, you basically did a full time program part time over five years. That's still an accomplishment, right? Like and, that's huge accomplishment. And children, and, and being a mom, and a husband, and doing this, and a husband. <laughs> And still working for a fantastic airline and kicking butt at the airline. I know you through that because my uncle Danny looked up to you as such a great co-worker. I just, you did this and still went to school to complete a passion and still raising your kids. Holy smokes. Wow. So when I think about decisions like that, right? So mm-hmm. it sounds like you had a successful career as a flight attendant. And yet at the same time, you had that, as you say, passion from the very beginning mm-hmm. and captivation from the very beginning, watching your mom be a seamstress and thinking, seeing all the details kind of come together to form something quite beautiful and probably quite magical is what I would also suspect too at the same time. But I think to myself, going back to school, that's a commitment. And the expression that I have in our family here is, is that if one person goes on overtime, everybody goes on overtime, right? In other words, uh, in other words, you going yeah. to Seneca is a family decision. Tell us a little bit about that, right? Because I know that when I wanted to do a master's degree during the pandemic, I had to talk to my partner. I had to talk to Michael about this and say, okay, honey, like this is what I'm thinking. That <laughs> means sometimes some things aren't going to be done. What do you think, right? And it's like, this would be good for the career. This would be good for you. This would be good for us. How did that conversation go? Like, I can just imagine, I can only imagine. So please tell tell, tell us yes, and our listeners. So yeah. I decided because I know that flying is not forever. Right. All right. There will be time that I'm for sure that either we're going to be laid off or we're going to be, or we get old, you know, as mm-hmm. a flight attendant, you cannot fly until like, you know, whichever years or you know you can't be really old and still flying right Mm -hmm. I said to myself okay I I told my husband I said to myself first I want to have another career you know Mm -hmm. try another career Mm -hmm. and then continue my my passion of when I saw my mom sewing and I told my husband you know can I go to school again and he's Mm -hmm. like what why where (laughs) when you know and I go 
I want to go to uh, study fashion. And then he goes, no, 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 not at this age. You know, you have to go back. How can you do it? You're flying, you know, can't even clean the, the kitchen. You know, you have no time. Why right. would you do this? Mm-hmm. And I said, I will find time. I'm actually really, really positive that I want to finish this one. Okay. And then he goes, okay, do it. You know, as long as <laughs> you're going to be okay with your schedule and then I'll work on this one. And then I told my family that I'm going to have this and they're very supportive. My kids are very supportive and it's actually really good because with this education, Mm-hmm. where I hone my skills in sketching, pattern making, garment construction at Seneca. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I would say I learned so much. Right. And I think that's cool for this. Right. You certainly probably picked up the technical design skills mm-hmm. uh, going to college, going, picking up all these courses and picking up the diploma at the end. It sounds like at some point in your mind that it's like, okay, this career as a flight attendant and being in the service industry and the safety industry in the sky will only take you so far. And now's my time. This is the time to actually do it. Like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to have to do it now, right? Or else, you know, I might not be able to do it later. Is that kind of what happened for you at some point in terms of being able to go to your husband and your family and say, no, I need to do this and I'm going to find the time to do this? Towards the middle of the course, I wanted to quit because I said, I don't think the schedule works. So mm-hmm. it's so hard to to be going on a flight and then coming back and going to school. Then again, you know, my husband said, you know, you're already there. You're already have enrolled the course and you're already almost half the the, the program the, over the yeah. program. Go ahead and continue. Right. The support from the family is actually very important to pursue yeah. career, for sure. I would agree. From what I know about post-secondary you know, life, some people finish their degrees and their diplomas and advanced degrees and professional degrees and diplomas, and they don't have a partner or family. They don't have life savings and they don't have anywhere to live. Mm-hmm. So having support along the way makes a difference. And it sounds like somewhere from husband saying, oh, I don't know if you'll have the time to, you should just finish it because you're almost there. I bet, or I wonder if your husband saw the passion and realized, oh my gosh, Catherine should finish this because she's passionate about this. Is that also fair to say? It is because, you know, he would see me after a flight, I would go because fashion designing, it involves drawing, right? So it's because I graduated as an architecture graduate. I was an architecture graduate. So Mm -hmm. I know how to draw. So I know how to make sketches and all those stuff. So it actually added to the requirements of being a fashion designer. So he saw me even in the middle of the night doing this and creating a good dress for the project. He says, oh my goodness, I think you really like what you're doing. So you have the passion and the Mm -hmm. talent. And I'm not surprised. Like when you say like a former life, you had architectural studies under your belt to fashion design. It's not only just kind of like the drawing skills. I would also probably say design principles are probably have lent each other well, Yeah, you know, and your eye probably is my guess too. So I guess what we also want to know is how do you go about 
designing? In other words, what is your mm. design process look like? Oh, okay. So design process is like to make for Catherine Cruz Couture. Anything, right? But yeah, Anything. yeah, yeah. Catherine Cruz Couture. So what we do is like I do researching. I research and I find a look for inspiration mm-hmm. first. And then when I got the inspiration already, I would I'll make the sketch and concept development. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So so it's going to be based on the gathered information and all the research and inspiration. I would start sketching preliminary design. And sometimes I would have multiple design, you know, mm-hmm, put mm-hmm. it all together. And then I'll pick which one is the best for me or for my clients or right. for just for anyone. Right. Then mm-hmm. I would make sure that we have a good fabric material selections and all those stuff fabric is very important right to to fashion pattern making and construction of the toile embroidery if it is you know needed and then construction and final fittings wow where do you draw your inspiration from Mm -hmm. like you mean if i know if well i look and research from I would Google, P. Bride would ask, Oh, this is my inspiration picture. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I can't copy that, right? Right. <laughs> Just tell me, they would, I want a dress that is bustier, or I want sweetheart neckline. That is. And then, or I would want a boat neckline. And then <laughs> they will give me inspiration according to what they look from, say, if they Google it, Pinterest and all those stuff. Right. And then we collaborate it. Like I would tell them, okay, is this what you want? I would put it all in one. Right. Mm -hmm. And then until I would make the perfect dress for them, like the the sketches of the dresses that they want. Right. Yeah. Are there elements of you, because I would have to think that this happens, but I'm wondering if elements of you also get into the design. In other words, yes, I understand that clients will come to you and say, this is what I'm looking for in a wedding dress, right? Mm -hmm. How do you kind of infuse your personality or elements of of you into the designs that you make for your clients? Yeah, sometimes, you know, clients would always ask me, what do you think of this? Do you think it would suit me do you think the color or the the lace would look good on me mm-hmm. and i would always personally i would tell them with my skin tone with my personality with my the curves <laughs> that i have right, right, you know right. this is my suggestion to you right. like you know, <laughs> i always tell them that i'm a simple person i want simplicity i want mm-hmm. pure i want like majestic style you know mm-hmm. i want it like if i would tell them that crepe or satin or very elegant lace then i would share it to them this is right. this is me this is what i like and then right. you say yeah you're right i kind of like that right you know? it sounds like you get to do a bit of editing or a bit of a reality check sometimes with your clients yeah 
a lot of reality and editing. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. I know. Clear, would it be fair to say, like, Ate, with your experience, especially being in the service industry, especially delivering top-notch service at one of the best-ranked airlines for several years, has that helped you in putting that little splash of Catherine Cruz in your business in that sense where, you know, as you said, you're editing and giving people the truth in a manner that they're able to accept and sort of like develop that type of dress or prototype for their wedding? Does that, has that helped you? hundred percent, because without this job, you know, I would probably don't have the business. Right. Because with, in, in service industry, I learned how to deal with people. Number mm-hmm. one, I learned how to say no without offending anyone. Yeah, right. I learned how to manipulate, you know, like manipulating in a positive way, like telling them, giving them options, even if the option is not possible. <laughs> yeah, you know, the way I think about it is steering, right? Like you've steered yeah. them in a particular way, the choices that are probably going to benefit them more than they can see at this moment in time. Yeah, because with as a, a flight attendant, effective communication is very important. So you really have to communicate with the bride. You have to tell them, oh, hey, this is the things that we need. These are mm. the things that you need to do. Right. And stuff that, you know, it's, the reality. Yeah. And then I would say it helped so much with this business, the, the experience that I had as a flight attendant. All of that has kind of built up to where you are, right? Like none of that experience was a waste. Like from being an architect, an architecture student, to being a flight attendant, all of this has kind of culminated into your own business and to your couture design studio and the success that you're having. I guess what we want to know is what's next for you and what advice would you have for other young creatives out there? My advice to the young creative out there is to continue exploring. You mm-hmm. know, there's always, always stuff that you can explore, a new, a new things that you can think about. Like for me, I'm, I would consider that I'm still new to the business. Mm -hmm. I would always want to explore sustainable practices, you know, Mm -hmm. like considering incorporating eco-friendly materials. Right. My idol in this one is, do you know, Miss Universe Arboni? Yes. Which one is she now? From the US, right? From the US. She's Miss Texas and she's Miss Universe now, 2020. Yeah, yeah. Isn't right. it? Yeah. She actually makes dresses using some, you know, recyclable stuff. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wedding gowns that she would probably use like plastic uh, water bottles and then she'll make it into beautiful gown. So wow. stuff like that is like so embracing sustainability can be a unique selling point. Right. Yeah. You know, I can imagine, especially as your clientele takes on more Gen Z millennials who are probably environmentally conscious and would like (laughs) sustainable fashions, or at least know that their wedding dresses aren't actually taking up much of a carbon footprint. I think that that would be a selling point, would it not? It would be, yeah, it's 100% going to be a selling point. And, you know, when you explore designs for different body types mm-hmm. or 
cultural traditions. I would say I also because I also have like Indian brides that right. we wanted to wear. I would put really crystals, you know, beautiful gems and all those stuff, detailed mm-hmm. one. Yeah. And I would say I can we have to cater. This is for the young artists right there. We would like to cater to a broader range of individuals. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we can probably attract clients with the unique uniqueness of our designs. That's what I would wanted to say. Yeah. So individual, sustainable, these are things that you're, I guess, focusing on for the future, at least in terms for the of the future. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well, you know, I usually, we usually end our podcast with some type of fixing for the week. I think our fixing really simply just needs to be check out Catherine Cruz Couture and we'll put those in our show notes for sure. Sigs, I think that takes us to the end, right? In terms of today's episode, I think you should take us out and have Catherine share with our listeners all of the important details out there. Absolutely. Catherine, it's been so great to have you on the show. Can you share with our listeners, we're going to put these in the show notes, how they can reach you and find out more about Catherine Cruz Couture on Instagram and on Facebook? Yeah, so please visit me or follow me at, in, on Instagram, Catherine, the real Catherine Cruz Couture, or on Facebook, Catherine Cruz, and or you can actually visit me www.catherinecruz.com. And I'm in the Niagara Falls. <laughs> Come visit Absolutely. that region. Yeah, visit sure. that region and find some beautiful clothes. And honestly, folks, after you listen to this episode, get on Instagram, get on Catherine's Instagram. We're talking about it, but you need to see the amazing creations she does, the time she takes. Beautiful. It's wedding season. She's busy in July. Check out her stuff. <laughs> if you guys have any questions about our lovely uh, podcast episode, email us at holoholopopculture at gmail.com. The Holo Holo Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Rate us and leave a review. Tell your friends about us. You can find us on Twitter. Our handle's at holoholopop. And we're on Instagram at holoholopopculture. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Child Turingen. We'll see all of you guys again real soon. We'll see you guys soon. Thank you and see you guys soon. <laughs> <laughs>